everybody. Welcome in. We are back together again. Thanks so much. This is Three Guys Before the Game, episode number 161. It is the TCU and Cancun Challenge review episode. And Three Guys Before the Game is brought to you by the super swell folks at Wheeling Island Hotel, Casino, and Racetrack. Visit them at wheelingisland.com. By Mardi Gras Casino and Resort in Cross Lanes. Their grand reopening completed now. Check them out at MardiGrasCasinoWV.com. By Comax Business Systems. They are your full-service, award-winning Conica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. And by DonateLifeWV.org. You can make a difference by designating as an organ donor. Visit DonateLifeWV.org. I must admit that uh, it's good to be back home again. I, mean, I, I, I missed you guys. Episode 160 was, uh, was, it was what it was, right? It's, it's hard. I mean, you can say what you want about uh, the internets, but shaky still, depending on where you are. And uh, it wasn't as smooth as we would have loved it to be, but uh, we're coming back today. I mean, we are absolutely loaded. I mean, we got more stuff going on. These listeners, you guys, just continue to amaze us. Normally, the backup quarterback's the popular guy. I tried to fill in for you, and it really wasn't quite the same. Everybody's happy to have a starter back in there. <laughs> and that's fine. Give me a clipboard. You, you, you should have a hat on. He should also have a cap on and a clipboard. No, I thought... It is better when when it's all in studio. It's just easier. easier. It's just easier. It's just easier. But thanks, everybody, for being with us. So it is good to get out, though, right? It is good to get out. So, um, And it's just continuing to amaze us as to how many people are into this show. And and we, obviously, it makes us giddy because that's why we do it. I was sitting in a hammock. A what? You You don't sit in a hammock. You lie in a hammock. I, I was lying in a hammock. By the way, do you know how to do it? Oh, don't yeah. just, you don't do it like that. You no. got to you go, go angle. You go sideways. Yeah, exactly. You, you, go, you sit square to it, then you spin. Yeah. yeah. So I was sitting in it, laying in it, lying in it, and a guy walks by, first floor. And This is while you're in Cancun? Yeah, while I'm in Cancun. Okay. This guy just walks by. And I, he, he kind of looks at me, I look at him, and he says, hey, love your podcast. <laughs> At an international resort. Sure. I just walked in Mexico, by. Yeah, yeah, as you do. Yeah. Sure. So that was fantastic. And then yesterday I'm at the uh, Mountaineer game, and my man Lanny comes up to me, Lanny out of Elkins, and he brings me deer jerky. Mm. And uh, Is that this year's? Like just, just made? That's, yeah. And no, no, it's from last year probably. But he, I flew with him from Pittsburgh to Manhattan when West Virginia did the basketball thing and then the football. And he was on the plane talking to me. He said, I'm going to get you beef jerk or deer jerky. So, like, that's super. That's so just that, protein right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, we'll we'll bust into that. So, that's that just goes. See, a good few days away from us there. Oh, yeah. There's was, people calling you out in Riviera Maya there. You're getting deer jerky. It's fantastic. We're it, here just trying to hold down the force. We're just grinding away here, Kurt. grind. Grinding away here at the World Headquarters. Hey, man, how about it? What a, what a role West Virginia went on in uh, basketball and in football. Five games over the span of nine days. Four basketball games, one football game. And that's what we're going to get into here today. We've got great questions from you guys, and we appreciate you guys sending those our way. And we'll get into those in just a little bit. But we'll start off here on football. 
for a couple of different reasons. Uh, firstly, unfortunately, the season's over, man. Uh, you know, we Amazing. talked we talked a show or so ago. Yeah, we got into it like, would you like to see him play in a bowl game? You know, saying I don't care whatever they, whatever the record is, I want to see him play again. Yeah, I'm there too now. I also would love to see him play one more time, uh, but it's not going to happen. They end up the season at five and seven, winning two of their last three, and we're going to pull that one apart here about TCU, and then we'll talk about West Virginia's uh, basketball team. So, as we unfortunately close the curtain on the regular season for Mountaineer football, what is, what are your final takeaway points, Hoppy, on year zero, as you properly described it going into this season, year zero of Mountaineer football under Neil Brown? Well, year zero was a success. I mean, it, it, you wouldn't normally say five and seven is a success, but but given their talent level, given that schedule, given the expectations, Las Vegas said you'd win five games. They won five games. I would call it success, especially when you when you consider zero 2.0 in November. Neil Brown said they would be better in November, and they were. And they were. And they found a way to win games where they were not favored. I mean, TCU was a two-touchdown favorite. They found a way to win. Kansas State was a favorite. They found a way to win. So West Virginia did get better as the season went on. And winning that last game was huge because that leaves you with a real positive feel going into the postseason. Oh, not the postseason, but the offseason. That, that win over TCU is massive. Yeah. And I don't know how many times in the history of college football you would say getting to your fifth win is massive. <laughs> I think it was a massive win. The feel good that comes out of that, all, for internal reasons, with the with the guys in the locker room, with those seniors going out on a positive note, with the coaches having a little bounce in their step when they go out, to the folks that are trying to sell tickets and solicit donations, and then to the fan base, you just walk away with a better feeling. And Tony, I may compare it to this. You you know my stance on live games. I almost, without fail, say, give me more games. Yeah. Right. When everybody rips on these bowl games, I say you're nuts. Give me more bowl games. There should be more of them. Last year, basketball. Give me more games. I don't care what it is. I want to watch teams play more. But in hindsight, you look back at basketball last year, basketball probably should have ended with the win over Texas Tech. And I know they would have lost their next game and been out of the Big 12 tournament. But think where you were with that basketball team last year when you would have walked and said, okay, I see it coming for next year. You got all these guys back. What a win over Texas Tech. And then Tech goes on to get to the national title game. You left with a good feeling. And then you play the CBI and you got kind of, okay, hey, this is all right. This is all, what, what? Coastal Carolina just scored 312 points and you lost and you ended with a giant thud. It may be the same for this football team. As much as I would like to see some more games, this may be the best way for this particular group to end. Ooh. You're not worried about another three weeks of rehashing how they can't run the ball, another three weeks of talking about all their flaws. You end with, you know what? That's pretty daggone good, what you just said. Two road wins as double-digit underdogs. You end the season, close the book, year zero done, go recruit, get on to next year. That may be the right way to end this particular season, and I don't say that often. I usually want more games. Yeah, all very good points. And I think it's a testimony to this team that when they went through that unbelievable stretch in October, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Baylor, and then came home and got beat by Texas Tech, which gave them five consecutive losses. At that point, it would have been easy. You got to go on the road next week at Kansas State. It would have been easy if you didn't have the right foundation set and the right culture that you've been building. These guys could have given it the old we're done. We're Charlie Brown. We're the lovable losers. We're out and not win again. 
Well, Antonio, we've seen that. I mean, we've seen that from West Virginia teams over the years. We've seen that. We saw that this weekend watching games. Just yes. teams like, they're done. They're done. We don't okay. want to play anymore. Don't want to yep. play anymore. You get it. Coach is going to get fired. I mean, and, and, and West Virginia did not do that. I mean, they played hard. They played hard those in in November and then got that win. I mean, that, that again, I, I think that that fits this narrative of trust the climb, getting better, rebuild. It's all It's all there. All those boxes are checked. I think every Mountaineer fan, wherever you may out, be, wherever you may be, should go out today and buy Vic Coning a present. Do you realize what he just did? <laughs> Here's what Vic Coning and the Mountaineer defense, and I know you always point to the coordinator. I mean, co- coordinator gets too much credit when they're good, too much you know, negative when things don't go well. It's everybody on that staff. But in the last five games, last five games, they held Baylor – who's playing in the championship of the Big 12 this coming week? Scored 60 on Kansas. Yep. Held them to 17 on their home field. 38 point, call it an aberration, Texas Tech. Then 20 for Kansas State, 20 for Oklahoma State, 17 for TCU. Are you kidding me? Seriously? You got Tyke Smith, K.J. Martin, Nick Troy Fortune, right? Among others, Jordan Jefferson, Bartlett, all these young little babies running around out there, and they're able to do that. That's why you look at the thing and go like, wow. I'll add to that stat. In 16 of the final 20 quarters of the season, over those games that you're referring to, 16 of the 20, West Virginia allowed less than 10 points scored in, a, in the quarter. 16 of those quarters, less than 10 points. There were, let me make sure I have this right, one quarter in each of those final games where you gave up zero. Two of those came in the fourth quarter when he got wins. Yeah. I mean, just a remarkable job by that defense and those guys stepping up. And you mentioned the, t- the tough October and then the tough start with Texas Tech. For them to rally like that after that point, shows, it shows that you, shows you something. shows there. you what you got. shows you what I you mean, got. I mean, Tyke Smith flying around making play. You just mentioned those guys. Martin, Fortune, Smith, all with big deflections, pass breakups in that game on Saturday. And Tony, we talked about it on my show with you and Shea Campbell, who was a walk-on Love from it. Morgantown High, just having a huge game in his final game as a Mountaineer. By the way, his uncle visiting the hotel. I don't know if you know that. His uncle visiting the hotel. He is his uncle's Gene Steratore, uh, who now has come into national notoriety. He already was nationally known as a uh, Super Bowl official, college basketball official. Now he's the guy for CBS. That's his uncle. And so he came over to the hotel because he did the Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. against Buffalo on Thanksgiving Day. So Thanksgiving night, he came over to the hotel, saw a picture of Gene Steratore. But that's his. And so he is the quintessential Mountaineer, right? So Shea Campbell comes in as a walk-on. Can he play here? I don't know if he can play here. Just grinds it, grinds it, grinds it, and ends his career. Starts, makes plays. You had his line earlier on. Eight tackles, two TFLs. Yep. And one sack and one in his sack. final game. Yeah, you could just that's pretty strong. You could just watch him play. <laughs> it's a great right? way you, to finish. You, you could just watch him play out there and say, I'm, I'm giving it everything that I have. And, and, and those I, guys, the comments they made, they didn't say it wasn't, well, it didn't mean anything because we're not going to a bowl or we didn't achieve our goals. It was we wanted to go out with a win. Yeah. We, wanted a, we wanted a positive feeling. Yeah. And that's what they got. The old guys wanted to play for the younger guys to say, hey, we set the foundation for you. The younger guys wanted to play for the older guys to say, hey, Here's something for you guys to go off on. And those guys can go into it and say, hey, you know what? We won two of our last three, and we were there on the uptick moment of it. You know, go back to any coaching group that comes in, whether it's Don Nealon's first time around or Rich's first time around or Stu's first time around. When you get that first team 
those guys are always kind of, you know, the transition team, so to speak. It's always special. Reese Donahue, right? Oh, yeah, Colton McKivitz. I mean, season. there's some guys there that you feel good about. And I, I, again, it seems odd when you're celebrating the end of a season with just five wins. That's why yep. I think that win was so big to get for those guys because Reese Donahue can walk away. McKivitz can walk away. All those guys can walk away. A Reuben Jones or George Campbell that were just here for a year, they can walk away. And when Neil Brown turns this thing and you start winning, you always point back to those guys. And those guys can take some pride and say, all right, we saw it start to swing there in November. Really good point. And we'll transition a little bit right now into recruiting. So yesterday, WVU gets a massive commitment from Bluefield High School's Sean Martin, who is... Kind of figurative, figuratively and literally. Yeah. Right? Massive in the in the perception of what's going on with this program, figuratively and how big this dude is. He's a player now. Like 6'5", 260. 6'6"-ish, yeah. Yeah, 6'5", 260. Um, right with now, to grow. a massive defensive end, or if he just continues to grow, maybe he you know, slides down a spot and becomes a three technique. Um, just huge, huge pickup for West Virginia, as you said, both figuratively and literally, because I was talking with a member of the staff, and he said recruiting is kind of like games. When you get a big one, it's ten, the momentum tends to roll. So people that are kind of on the edge of what they're going to do here make up, okay, well, Martin is going now, and, and they got Zach Frey. So the entire feel of where West Virginia is recruiting changes now. It's the cool thing to do now. I want to join in and jump on the bandwagon. A year ago, didn't have that at all, right? You tried to close late on a couple guys and just didn't have the time to get it done. Couldn't get it. But I'm saying like that, you didn't have that that upbeat look. So this is good. Uh, where are we? Two of December. So we've got 16 days before uh, they sign on the dotted line. My point to all that is this. What encourages me about the recruiting is what this staff did in picking up free agent players after last year's signing class, this year's signing class, was over. By that, I mean this. George Campbell. Do you have five wins this season if George Campbell's not on your team? No. I say no. Do you have five wins this year if Josh Groudon, the punter, is not on your team? No. Definitively no. no. Right? less of a role, but huge, huge impact. Reuben Jones defensively on that line huge. Had, had a had a great, great season. So to me, you just went out there in a in a hurry going like, okay, we need some significant help here. And each of those guys that they brought in brought value. Noah Guzman, right? He's out there making plays at the on the last drive of the season, right? So all of those guys encourages me to go like, okay, now that they get their feet planted and they're going to get the guys that they want and know what they fit, it's going to be very did, positive. Did Jared Deggie help at all in oh, the process? Because oh. he was a late get. <laughs> I, I mean, even Austin Kendall, for that matter. I Absolutely. mean, you're two quarterbacks that, that won you all of your game. I mean, all of those guys were were hits. And, and, that doesn't happen and, very often. You know often. what? That, that That's also about working, okay? that's. I mean, if you're Alabama or Notre Dame or, you know, you can just say, okay, we'll take our pick. Here's a five-star guy. He's better than this other five-star guy. You know, Texas, same thing. But if you're not in that elite group, you got to just work harder. Yeah. And how many? And you talk to recruits when they when they go to a school and you talk to them, they say things like, "They were on me early," or "I really liked." I felt at home when I got here, or the right. assistant, the guy who recruited me, you know, really made an effort and stayed in touch with me. Those kinds of things, and that's just about work. Yeah, it is. I talked to Brian Bennett, who's the Mountaineer Player Development Director, personnel, player personnel director. I talked to him, and I said, what's uh, what's on Neil's schedule? 
I, you, they can't release it yet, but we're going to release it after signing day or maybe on the 18th. They put a, they got a picture of the United States and they put a dot wherever he's going to be in the next two weeks. And I mean, it's cartoonish. I mean, he, he, he's doing three and four visits a day, comes back Friday. They've got official visits this weekend. They got a junior day on Sunday, back out on the road, do the whole thing over again and do the same thing. Then another, the last weekend, official visits, another junior day, and then it's done. So you'll start to see social media pictures. I saw one yesterday. They went to the kid that's already committed and that picture in his house. I think you're starting to you're, yeah, you're start to see more and more of these things there where he's touching base with the guys that are already locked and he's going to get guys that haven't yet committed. Go back to Martin for just a second. By the way, plug for this weekend. If Mountaineer fans haven't seen him yet, we'll have the AA championship game seven o'clock on the Metro News Channel so you can tune in and watch number 54 and just look at the physical presence and get an early early look at him. Think of the difference in just that that six-month flip of the the calendar. You mentioned Frazier and you mentioned Martin. So you talk about locking up two of the best in this state ahead of time. Great timing for Sean Martin. They advance to a state championship game. He commits. He's going to play for a state title on Friday, just as West Virginia is heading out on the recruiting trail. I think the, the timing of that was essential as well, as you said, to kind of jumpstart this process of, okay, here we go. Look who's in tow. Frazier and Martin, everybody else. Let's and Brad, go. How many times over the last you know 10 years has West Virginia missed on the best players in West Virginia, or the guys who were going to be the best players. I mean, the misses really stand out. Well, there's a bunch, and we can go back. You were alluding to last year. I mean, you've got two linemen right out of the gate that started for other Power Fives at Tennessee and at Virginia Tech this year that are West Virginia guys. What was the biggest problem for West Virginia this year? Finding enough offensive linemen to have some depth there. So, yeah, this is that's a tremendous start for this group and exactly where they need to be as they head in. This is this is critical. Last year, it was gravy. You get what you can get if you're if you're Neil Brown on that staff. Hold on to some guys. See what you have. This year's critical. This is really their first class. Yes and no. They still were behind when they started this class. However, this is going to be very important. There's absolutely no question. 2021, a year from now, will be their first real class that they've had the actual calendar time that every other school had to go get the 2021s. But you're right. You got to hit now. You got to hit yeah, now. You got to hit now. And let's face it, they got to go out there. And, as I, and I've already made the call that you need to go anywhere in the world to get offensive linemen. I mean, anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Even Australia, which you've written off uh, well, as a continent? Let me say this about Australia. Love the continent. Uh, love Josh Groudon. I hope he hasn't left yet. I want to get him on three guys. He needs to be on three guys. I'm going to make that request. Now, you think Michael Fergale and uh, Mike Montoro would release him to come on over on three I guys? I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, right? No, I would think so. Region's most popular podcast, really international podcast at right. this point. Exactly. So I want to get him on because he's delightful. And it was funny the other day. We had two punters against each other. TCU's was from, from Australia. Right. He also was 26 years old. <laughs> You had two 26-year-old punters. I don't think that's happened in Mountaineer football, maybe since like the season after the war. <laughs> Those guys were coming in a GI Bill. But uh, That relationship's a bigger stunner than the Mountaineers turning it around from where they were in October, right? You yeah, mean how me, he Groudin? just alienated Groudon, the, the whole continent, whole continent, alienated all of them. And it turns out the guy's right up near the top of the list of MVPs also, for this it, season. It went from, in college football, it went from punters to this year, every punter is Australian. Every, every Everyone team. saw like six of them this weekend. <laughs> it's, a great, it's the greatest thing ever. I know. I, I think my relationship with Groudon certainly was uh, sparked by the fact that I was, he was two rows up from me on every flight. So I'd just give him the friendly wave, trying to, you know, 
warm things up a little bit after I did take a shot and say that West Virginia should never recruit the continent again. But then he came through and totally good, totally good with them here. Um, before we pull away, final thoughts. Into a pass. Right? Did he, yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah, he did punt. complete a pass. Yeah. yeah. And people felt he should have punched it, like Australian rules punch thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how about yeah. Missouri firing? Uh, when, we, when we saw Missouri, we thought they'd be in the college football champions. playoff, right? Best team ever assembled since the uh, early 90s Miami teams. So their deal was the one. Was go ahead, I'm sorry. They had 200 games in a row this year at home. Uh, you remember that? No, seriously, they had, five, they had five home games yeah. in a row. Yes. They lose to Wyoming, if you'll remember, to start the season. Yes. They come back and they destroyed West Virginia, and then they just kind of petered out when they got on the road. Done. Six and six. See you later. And that was and, and he was a legacy. I mean, he played there. He was a guy. Defensive so coordinator there uh, under Pinkle. Took over a tough job, right? Remember when Pinkle left, it was that weird situation there. They just had that protest. Yep. They were talking about yep. boycotting games. It was a very bizarre situation that he took over. So, yeah, there's now three SEC jobs open. Yeah. Right, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Missouri. Yeah, as some say. All right, so um, yeah, as about as good as you could put your hand around a five and seven season is, I think, what Neil Brown did. Now the rest uh, will be on the upsurge. And I was getting back to these offensive linemen. You, you've got to transfer portal this thing. You've got to get transfer grad transfer. I don't care what kind of transfer, uh, a train ticket transfer. You got to get somebody in here. That is not fixed by any stretch of the imagination. You have got to get other bodies in on the offensive line. Have to. You do. And and go back to, I mean, there, there's other holes, obviously, you have to fill. We mentioned those defensive linemen. It's only two guys when you talk about Reese Donahue and Reuben Jones, but those are massive holes. You've got to plug those holes as well. George Campbell. I mean, I know you've got young receivers. Who's ready to take the next step forward? That's, that's the biggest thing because you've said year zero. You've hit year zero, and I was with you on that. Now you enter next year. Yep. All right. Now, now that now you got to win some games, right? You got to get some games. Got to win some games. Got to go to a bowl game. Excuse me. Got to win some games. Have to go to a bowl game. I, think I mean, true. trust the climb. And the climb is what? What ways the climb go? Yeah. You're going up. So you got to get. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Real quick though, here on expectations, we're yeah. talking about expectations for next year. I saw Brett McMurphy put this out earlier today. Keep an eye on the Vegas number that comes out on the over-under win total this year. Yeah. If you compare actual wins to that, to the consensus lines, five of the ten Big Ten school, five of the ten Big Twelve schools were within one win of their win expectation from Vegas. So when the number comes out for West Virginia this coming season, either go one down or one up. That's on average what yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I mean the, the top end of this, Baylor was plus three and a half from their their projected win total from Vegas. But I Kansas, I was under. Yeah, Kansas State was plus two and a half. Who were the unders? Iowa State. But they were only missed by one. They were one of the teams that was within Texas. Texas, TCU were minus two and a half games, and Texas Tech, believe it or not, was two under where their expectations were. So again, the bulk of the league was right in that one game from your expected win total, according to the Vegas line. Just found that interesting. Yeah, that is. You know, another thing we said going into this year, we said West Virginia's season will be determined by how it does against the other schools, the other three schools in the league that have first-year coaches. Mm -hmm. They beat Kansas. That makes them 1-0. Then they beat Kansas State. That made them 2-0. And the loss came to Texas Tech. So they did have a winning record against the other first-year coaches. They went 2-1, and one, which we thought was going to be key. Yeah, So, and I had said during the, the beginning of the season, I thought if you went 3-0 and o against those, which is really hard to do, you're a bowl team. Well, turns out that's what it was. It was one win away from being a bowl. 
Hey, folks, uh, questions. we got basketball to talk about here in a second, but uh, this is going to be fun. I think, you know, we've got a table that's set up here for those of you that watch this show, kind of like the old family feud table. Remember the old family feud? Richard, With, uh, Richard, Richard Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, Richard used, to be Dawson. On, used to be on Hogan's Heroes yes. if you really wanted, to, really wanted to date him. Well, check this out. The uh, folks at Wheeling Island, the Fun and Feud Live Game Show. They call it the Fun and Feud Live Game Show. Comes to Wheeling Island Hotel, Casino, and Racetrack Sunday between the holidays, December the 29th, 7.30. They do the show there. Now, check this out. You can watch the Ohio Valley's version of the longest-running TV game show, and you can enter to compete in the show with your family. This is what they're asking for. <laughs> Submit your fun-loving, outgoing family's audition video to their Facebook page using hashtag fun and feud. Hashtag fun and feud. Put your audition in for your family no later than December 15. Selected contestants will be notified 20 of December. Compete for your chance at fabulous prizes, including a trip to a destination vacation. Tickets start at just $15, available through the Wheeling Island gift shop or through Ticketmaster. So you want to be on Fun and Feud Live at Wheeling Island? Submit your family's audition video to their Facebook page, hashtag Fun and Feud. That's, that's, the, that's, that's, one, that's, that's the survey says one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when is it? The show is on the 29th. You have okay. to have your video in by the 15th of December. You'll be notified on December the 20th. So the audition video doesn't have to be you playing that, just whatever you want. Just show your personality, your yeah, family, they want it. They, 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 is what you're trying to say. Exactly, Brad. This is what they don't want. They don't want a bunch of dorks, right? They don't want like a family that goes, what do you think, Bob? <laughs> I don't know, Sarah. What do you think? They want to have, they want people that got a little something to them. You know what I'm saying? That's what the world needs more. People with a little something to them. So show a little personality. Show on the a little personality like on the it. audition tape. Good idea. Okay, let's talk basketball. Busy time for the Mountaineers. West Virginia uh, now 7-0 and and played its fourth game in nine days yesterday with a victory over Rhode Island. Before that, uh, WVU posted a uh, victory. I'm trying to get my game straight. Beat Boston University here and pounded them. Really only significant pound job that West Virginia has had. Well, maybe Wichita State a little bit. But uh, you get the point. Then go to Cancun, and we're down 15 against a good Northern Iowa program in the second half. Found a way to rally and come back, which I think is a massive milepost for a team that a year ago would have absolutely floundered and crapped out. Would have been beat by 30. Yep. Then the very next night they come out against a very good quality Wichita State program. I mean, Greg Marshall is absolutely fantastic with what he's done with that program. That was as close to a conference game as West Virginia has played yet. I mean, you had you had players. You had size. They had three bigs. And you had guys that knew and know how to win. And you just went after them. Two great defensive teams, each holding the other to under 60 points per game coming in. And West Virginia just got up and got down on them. And uh, really encouraging. And then they come back yesterday and they win against Rhode Island. What would West Virginia's record be this season with last year's team? Mm. They're seven three, and zero. Three, three and four, maybe. Yeah, probably. You would have lost. You would have lost Northern Iowa. Would have lost Wichita State. Would have lost yesterday for sure. And then maybe mix in that Northern Colorado. You probably find a way to win, but probably three, probably three, four wins. Yeah, my opinion. Encouraged. Now they have a week off. I do think they got flat yesterday. They got a little tired. I think they. Here's the what I thought. Light yesterday. Fourth game, nine days. 
bouncy that they won in Cancun and said, okay, we're going to come back home. We'll be fine. It's Rhode Island. And not to say that they were bad. They weren't. They just weren't as aggressive. And as a result, you know, they did get up 14. And at the three-minute mark of the first half, it was 11 at halftime, but then just kind of it dissipated, which you can see that the Rhode youth- Island's Rhode Island's decent. They, they had some size and some stretch, and you can't account for Fats Russell when he's going off for 30-plus on you. Greatest player in the history of the Coliseum ever named Fats. Fats good. Russell is really good. 32 points, 38 minutes. That's a good night. Hard to guard. I mean, they threw everybody at him. Hey, at the end of the game, on, the, on his last layup attempt, did Oscar block that shot? You know what? It was a great block too. It was such a smart block. He didn't. He could have hammered that thing off the ribbon board that runs along there and broke the ribbon board. Could have absolutely volleyball spiked the thing. Go back and watch what he did to that. I yeah. mean, that wasn't that wasn't accidental. Like he wasn't out of position and barely got a finger on it. He goes up and just just tapped the thing. He was so high and saved it in bounds. Yeah. Here's the other, here's the thing about this. I mean, you know how much I've talked about Oscar, and I'll continue to talk. You have the 19 and 18 oh, against West Coast friend of yours, yeah. Near double double yesterday again. Here here's why this team has a shot. Here's why they have a shot. Throughout these seven games, how many different guys have we called out? And we've said they won because Oscar Shibay was the best player on the floor. I've done that two or three times. They've won because Derek Culver was the best player on the floor. We've said that a couple of times. They beat Northern Iowa because why? Miles McBride became the best player on the floor and took over. We haven't even mentioned Emmett Matthews yet. There, there's four or five, six pieces to this team that are really, really strong, talented basketball players. And as soon as they get it all figured out, and that's the great thing about college basketball, you can play a lot of these games and get a bunch of minutes. There, there are, I continue to say there are pieces on this team, Tony. I like a lot of these pieces. And I, Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I thought it was interesting that in, in the postgame press conference, Huggins is talking about spacing. And he said, I have guys who want to, here's his quote, I have guys we want to play, but it's hard to play because they don't know what they're doing. You're looking at how people play you. You have things to run in those situations. It's hard whenever somebody's always in the way. It's not their fault, really. They just don't know what they're doing. And he's talking about Shibway and maybe a couple other guys. And, and they, he went on to talk about spacing. And he says, well, you get bunched up. Looks like roller derby. And at this point in the season, you're 7-0. and And if your biggest concern right now at this point in the year is spacing, then I think you're in pretty good shape, <laughs> right? Because that, to me, that, I mean, that's an issue, but that's a, that's a secondary issue. That's not like can't score the basketball, won't play defense, got an attitude problem, kicked the guy off the team. You got none of that. You, just, you got a spacing issue. That's okay, you can work that out. And that only happens when you have your two best players on the court at the same time. You have that, and then I just made the... I committed the cardinal sin that I've been chastising everybody else for. I just mentioned five or six guys, keys to West Virginia's success, and I once again leave off Jermaine Haley, who's having one of the really good so underrated true. seasons. He has 18 yesterday. They run the final set for him, cleared out Oscar and Derek to the other side, ran a set there for Jermaine Haley. So add him to the list of guys that are playing really well. You know, uh, two guys uh, that maybe you don't think a whole lot about from yesterday's game, this guy's going to do this all season long. He is not going to get notoriety, but he is going to be absolutely a grinder. He's going to be a stealth grinder. Gabe Osaboyan got a start, got a spot start in there yesterday because Derek Culver forgot to do some paperwork and uh, didn't get the start. So Osaboyan, 19 minutes, five rebounds, three points, four assists. Mm-hmm. So he's tied for the team lead in assists. No one would have ever thought that. And a steal. So if you subscribe to the plus-minus system that they have on the stat sheet this year, 
he was plus seven on the game. The guy that was plus eight to lead the team, Deuce McBride, scored all of his points in the second half. He finishes up with eight points, but he also had four assists and just one turnover in 24 minutes. Played some nice defense late on the aforementioned Fats Russell. I guess if, if you wanted to nitpick additionally, and I think that Huggins pointed this out yesterday too, is that you got some guys that aren't making shots that you're expected to make shots. Like McCabe's not making shots, Taz Sherman's not making shots. Mm-hmm. So that that still, I mean, you figure they will. Yeah, right? but, but you haven't seen that. I mean, right. you haven't seen a consistent effort on the outside shot, and that was one of the, the issues that they thought they had fixed, and maybe they will, but you're right. That hasn't shown up yet, but you've been so good inside. I mean, between Oscar and Derek Culver yesterday, seven offensive rebounds, that ties what Rhode Island had as a team offensive rebounding wise. Here's something also that it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. So we're at Cancun and the NBA scouts sat just off to the side of where we were. And there was about, I'd say five or six scouts. So, okay, cool. Five, six scouts are watching. There's a bunch of teams there getting to see these guys. Okay, fine. So one of the scouts that was there is on the bus with me going back to the airport the next day. Okay, well, I'll probably see him at some point down the road, you know, this season because he'll be out scouting. Watching Cancun, they usually circle back a couple months later. A couple months around later. Around tournament time, in. they might come back when they're hitting a bunch. So, Generally, how the scouting industry works there, Hoppy. That's how you do it. Well, he knows. He's, he's one of the scouts. I, I do occasional. So, <laughs> I get to the Coliseum. I get to the Coliseum yesterday. Same scouts there. Had just been in Cancun. He'd just seen West Virginia play twice. Not once, twice, Hoppy. So, I'm thinking... <laughs> oh, they see something they like a lot. So I went over and I said to someone on s- someone, I said, why would, uh, I'm not going to mention dude's name. Why would he, he just saw us play twice. And he said, obviously they're looking at gay or they're looking at Oscar. They like Culver. They're intrigued by Haley and Matthews. And they already like, Deuce McBride. Wow. It's because they saw Deuce go off. Against Northern Iowa. Against Northern yeah. Iowa. They, they kind of like, oh, that, that, he got, some, he got some, some, something to him. And I said, okay. So it's a bad thing because obviously that becomes a concern uh, that you don't want to lose these guys too early, right? But the other thing that it does tell you is, I've always said this, in order to be really successful, to, like, to win a national championship, you've got to have two guys at minimum that are going to play in the NBA, for real play in the NBA. And then you have to have a couple of others that are going to be able to make money. Like four-ish. Yeah. If you're at four-ish guys that make money, you're probably going to be really good. So I look at this list right now, and I see a bunch of guys that are going to make money at some level playing professional basketball. The four guys that I just mentioned, and I know it's still early for – Miles McBride, but you could see that down the road, a couple of two, three years, he'll be able to make money. And there's a couple of guys on this roster for West Virginia that still have not gotten comfortable or off yet that I still think will also be able to do that. So I think you've got about seven, eight guys that are going to be able to make some level of money. And I base that on Tavon Meyer, you know, uh, yeah, Tavon, Tariq, and all those guys that have gone out. And they, and they make money playing professionally. Nate, so Nate, Adrian, Nate, I mean, we yeah, sure, all those guys. 
So I think the pieces, again, I think it confirms that the pieces are there. Now you got to develop. And that front line in and of itself, just take that front line for a minute. When you're talking about Shibway, Culver, and Matthews, those are potential. I mean, those are guys that when you're the NBA, you look out and you see, Emmett Matthews is 6'9", and he can move like that? Okay, we're going to watch him. Oscar's obviously already on the radar because of the McDonald's All-American, all the acclaim he got coming in. And then what's he bring to you? They always say, watch foot speed end-to-end because the NBA game is so fast. How can you get from end-to-end running-wise? That's a If you check that box, all right, now we'll go on to the next thing. And he's potentially an elite rebounder, right? So he's got an elite skill that can translate up and a, and a big body and can run. And same with Culver, right? Good foot speed, just the athleticism to get up and down at 6'10". All three of those guys are, are going to be heavily on NBA radars they move throughout the year. Tony, like you said, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing because you need NBA quality players and professional players who are going to be professional players to, to get to the next level. However, you know how destructive that can be. It's almost better if you just have three guys who are going to be one and done. And it's, all, it's already known. But if you have guys who are kind of on the bubble a little bit and other guys who think they're going to be NBA guys, but they probably aren't, and they say, I'm not yeah. getting my shots. I mean, you know how that thing can go. It yeah. can go south in a hurry if people start to get in their ear around February... Right. Yeah, you got to have the right guidance. There's no question. You got to have the right support people around you. Sagabal Kanate had the absolute wrong people around him advising him. The kid should be playing in college right now, continue to develop, and then see what happens out there. He's got nothing going on, right? Boy, I think if you had him. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're worried about spacing now. <laughs> you have a little space issue there. Let me ask you this. You think Fats Russell has 32 <laughs> if, if Sags is out there? Oh, he might. would have taken about seven more shots to get to the 32 because he would have had seven of them sent back the other way. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, that that's the point. That's, that's a good problem uh, to have. Uh, speaking of being a high draft pick, you know, our boys and girls over at Comax Business Systems, their first round draft pick material because they've got that national award the only the only west virginia organization to win the elite dealer status by enx magazine and they've done it for the eighth time comax business systems offers managed it services and managed voice services 24 7 remote monitoring gives you that peace of mind to know you have someone watching your back and your network's back. So if you're in a situation where you're going like, this is not working for us when it comes to managed IT or managed voice, visit them at comaxwv.com, comaxwv.com. Time now for questions. Not only do we have a question here to start things off, I had a personal one-on-one meeting with this Three Guys listener in Cancun. <laughs> Our buddy, high level of service. Our buddy, Ross Mara, we hung out. He's at the University of South Carolina. He works for those guys in their basketball program shooting their, uh, shooting their videos. And we had uh, time to get together and chat. Parents were there, lovely people. And uh, we chatted. So here comes Ross' questions. How high are expectations for WVU next year? In a year where you play a question mark in FSU and then a Maryland team who has been down, OU, who as of right now doesn't have a Heisman candidate lined up, but Baylor and Texas do return their QBs. How high should the expectations be for Mountaineer football? Well, I would think you're thinking seven. I don't, you know, a bowl game. Get to a bowl game, play better, win a, win one or two more games than you won this year. I think he's right. Ross adds, it's also a year where the Big Twelve schedule is more favorable when it comes to home and away with Baylor and OU in but, Morgantown. Okay, but West Virginia wins on the road. I mean. I, it, 
you don't you don't know. I mean, this is this is a tough league. It's just it's just a difficult league, week in and week out. You don't get a lot of breaks here. Uh, so, what do the rosters look like? Who leaves quarterback wise? Who's Oklahoma bring in quarterback wise to plug in? There's still so many questions, but I think you start with without doing a prediction show today on number of wins. You start with next year's a bowl season. So what's that look like? Does it look like six? Does it look like eight? Will be determined by somewhat what the league does and how this group looks. Who leaves from West Virginia's team? Yeah. Right? There's a, there's a lot of questions here over the next couple months. It'll be the ninth season for West Virginia in the Big 12 next year. Is it about time to beat Oklahoma? Wow, that's hard to believe. Is that Jeez. ninth season? Ninth yes, season. Coming time up. to beat Oklahoma. How about, but think about this. I mean, Texas, who is supposed to be back, they're firing coaches. They're seven and five. Right? I mean, their whole staff, you, didn't they? Yeah, you're, you'd rather be West, believe it or not, you'd rather be West Virginia right now than Texas. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. In Just go in and do your work. Absolutely. Delegate Jeff Pack writes in. Is Josh Groudon the best punter to play at West Virginia since Pat McAfee? He had a fantastic year. Boomstash was really good. Yeah, but he tailed off. This kid never tailed off. He was, he was, Groudon was really, really good. My answer is yes. I didn't do a great deal of research to look at it. My answer is most memorable to me would be his performance. Knowing that he had to be really, really good, I thought he was. I mean, there was more pressure on the punter this year because of the offensive ineffectiveness. I mean, he was putting in a lot of tough spots where he had to flip the field, and he did it most times. And those two wins late, are gonna, I think, will always resonate because it was so critical. His last punt, right? He pinned Kansas State down there deep, made them have to go the whole field to, to beat you, which they couldn't do, and did the same thing against TCU as well. Question in from Tom. If the Big 12 opened up Thanksgiving weekend for teams to schedule rivals, what would be your fantasy matchups? Well, easy. West Virginia Pitt. Virginia and I, Tech. And I'd take a backup as Virginia Tech. I'd yeah. take either. Give me either of those. I mean, ACC can still do it with uh, Clemson and South Carolina, so that would be nice. You know, I mean, Pitt, I know that I, I will lose this argument, but Virginia Tech almost feels bigger to me because if you go to Virginia Tech, you know you know what the crowd was when you went to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was that, that was a big rivalry for them. You go to Pittsburgh, there'll be more Mountaineer fans there. I mean, because Pitt just doesn't have that kind of following. Yeah. So Virginia Tech, I know the Pitt, I know the history there. Virginia Tech feels a little bigger to me. Yeah, that's a solid. Point. I won't I won't debate you hard on that. And there's a certain there's a certain age break where if you ask West Virginia fans, there was a big percentage of them that Virginia Tech was the bigger rivalry because of everything you just mentioned. So either one of those, yeah. flip a coin. Yeah. Uh, this one comes college. This one comes in. The newest question you on Boston a, College even a lick. No, they don't even miss their coach. The newest <laughs> question on the horizon seems to be whether Darius Stills will forego his senior year for the NFL draft or return to West Virginia. What, if anything, is the take on this? Now I don't know. Did you have Speaking Thanksgiving? Di- did you have Thanksgiving dinner with the Stills family this year, or did you take the year off? Did not. Okay. What year. do you have? Well, that's a good question there. Isn't that amazing that that question's even being asked from where the conversation was around Darius Stills a few years ago? I mean, you cannot give him enough credit for what he has turned himself into from not getting offered from West Virginia until he had verbaled to Rutgers to turning into now with a year of eligibility left. There's the question that he may explore the NFL. I'll say what I always say in this case. If he can go in the NFL and be a draft pick that's comfortable with making a team and make millions, by all means, crawl on glass to go do that if he can. Now, selfishly and for the fan base and for this program, you'd love to see him come back for another year. Could it help to come back? Absolutely, it could help. But I think this is where, Tony, I think this is where the college sports industry has has gone forward a bunch. 
It used to be you had to make a couple calls to guys you knew in the league and they could give you some feedback. Now there's a pretty formal process that you can submit your name, they'll evaluate you, come back, and you can look at it and say, okay, I'm probably a fourth or fifth round pick. It would help me to come back. I'm a second or third. It's probably wise to go. So you're going to get the information. Just make a wise decision. And whatever that is, then you root for the kid. Selfishly, I think you hope he comes back. But if the grade comes back that he's a second or third round pick, then by all means, go make some money. Agreed. Totally agree with you. Well said. Nathan Odell does Bob Huggins bring his own stool for road games. I can see someone clutching it, waiting for the red light, green light situation at customs at the Cancun airport and the guards wondering what is going on. Uh, Yes, the uh, team does travel with the Hugs' stool. It has its own travel bag it just zips up in a big bag and it just goes with the rest doesn't of the get year. a seat on the plane no it does not it just get, it goes with the rest of Did the, the cancun uh, trophy get a seat on the plane cancun trophy didn't come back reason they ship it separately here's the deal cancun trophy they present you with is one that they keep and so they give it to you on the floor you take your pictures with it and you give it back to them huh they engrave one for you they send it back up which has some of the guys wondering, like, how many people have kissed this trophy? Because yeah, some of the guys you know, kiss the thing. But yeah. yeah, so no, that'll be that'll be coming up um, with the mail situation. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it was very nice. That's very nice. They got a really super nice uh, trophy room downstairs in the facility, basketball facility. So they'll put that in there. Uh, let's see here. Nate writes in Nate Toller. What are the biggest factors for the defense's success toward the end of the season? A lot of youthful players got playing time as the season went on due to injuries, the infamous transfer portal. Does it all come back to the havoc rate? Ah, Ah. Very well done. Thank you. We turn it over to the senator in the havoc department. Well, yes. I mean, that was a big reason why. And so so what causes that? The strength that that you thought going into this season turned out to be the strength of this defense, and that was that defensive line. They did a fantastic job individually and collectively. But I also go back to, you know, what Steve Dunlap said to us each Saturday when he was in former Mountaineer defensive coordinator. He was in awe, probably a little strong, but a ton of respect for what Vic Koning was able to do. And it was kind of the same thing the offensive guys were doing. It was almost a different game plan each week. Neither side could line up and just say, here's what we do. You figure out how to stop us. Both sides of the ball did little different wrinkles each week. So credit the, the staff for being really good at, at, at having those adjustments. But credit those guys, too. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 you said it earlier. We give too much credit and too much blame to the coaching staff. You have to have really good ones. But you also have to have guys that can listen to what they hear during the week, watch that film, and then say, okay, got it. Now I'm going to go out in live action and make those adjustments and make plays. So it? all the way around, credit the staff and the particular guys that, that played it so It was well. amazing. Just a couple of years ago, we'd watch the game and say, how did how did the receiver catch the ball? And no one was in the shot, okay? <laughs> no one was in the picture, no, right? No one was in the picture, no yes. defender. To uh, these young guys, and, and they're up there, and they got, you know, they got their arm around them, like when they're, and they're going like, to knock the ball away. I mean, really playing fundamentally really good defense. It's just incredible. And, Tony, I look forward to the day, and you don't know what's going to happen. I look forward to the day when you're saying, here's Tyke Smith with his 28th start. Here's yeah. Nick Troy Fortune with his 32nd start. I mean, if... If that plays out the way you think it could, 
they'll be locked down. I, oh, yeah, I've said it a bunch. Go back to that 2013 defense that you're referring to when there was one player in the picture and it wasn't a West Virginia defender, and go check those names on that roster. Kwiatkowski, Worley, Carl Joseph. I mean, it's the same thing. They looked terrible for a while defensively, and they grew up to be pros, right? Nick Kwiatkowski was all over the TV this <laughs> right. weekend just blowing guys up, and it feels the same for these guys if they can Except keep they're progressing. Better now. They're better now. That, well, they, yeah, they got, they got some great that's where the run that they got early where you went, eh, I mean, Tyke Smith and Kerry Martin got burned there a couple times. By the end, those guys are diving in front and making plays. There's where the reps paid off and you saw it at the end of the year, I think, was no, part of the reason. Totally agree. Tom Smith asks, how does Huggins's team, excuse me, how does Huggins take a team like last year who was 5-2 and two at this time and turn it into a 7-0 and team? Um, roster reduction, <laughs> got the right guys in with the right attitudes in. Um, there's not a ugh, funk around the team. There's a happiness. There's a smile. There's bounce. You know, we had McCabe. We had Matthews in here in the, uh, in the off season during the podcast. You could just see by their personality what kind of guys they are. Mm-hmm, I agree. Uh, you know, the, all of these guys. Culver's got a great personality. Uh, Oscar, all he does is smile. smile. Right. I mean, every single one of these kids. Miles McBride. Miles McBride's got a, you know, these are just really nice. I mean, to to Huggins' credit, we're all asked, Joe, what did he say many times after another bad performance? He'd say, I'm going to fix it. Well, yeah, no, he, he fixed it. So far. Yeah. So far, yeah. He blowed it up and then he built it back up again. He blowed it <laughs> sometimes up. You, sometimes yeah. you got to do that. He blowed it up. If you, could, um, if you could bang in a McDonald's All American each year, too, that'd be, that'd be helpful. That's yeah. helpful. Might need to put that on the wish list each that, year. That just might, go ahead and just do that. That might work. Kevin. Hiddenfelter writes in, as we approach the offseason for football, what attrition to transfers do we anticipate at key spots? Who leaves? Who goes? I think you already had that. No, I mean, I think you'll get more. He'll get more. Always do. Free agent process. Yeah. That's just part of the deal. I, uh, I'm going to make a generalized statement, which is always trouble. Um, the percentile of people that leave the program that to, to this point that West Virginia is, is saying like, oh, geez, I wish they didn't leave, right? I'd say it's over a high 80% where West Virginia is going, eh, that's fine. Not a problem. Wish you the best. I'm sorry. The, the ones up till now or up you say now. moving forward up now? Till now? Up till now. They've gone like, oh, okay, that's okay. I, I said this early in the season. There's a lot of guys that are on this team right now that would not have been recruited to play here if Neil Brown was the coach. There are guys on this team that Neil Brown did not have on his recruiting list at Troy, wouldn't offer them at Troy, that are here. So a lot of these guys are going to move through. It's the process. And, and, And it's not higher than it used to be. People overreact with these kids. This happens all the time. The transfer portal has put a light on top of it, but this always happens. So here, here's my stance on this moving forward. I'm, I'm going to try and live by this. You can't, you can't get too flipped out about guys exiting the program anymore because you're getting so many in right. as well. I, I think the, the balance is there, and you outlined them earlier in the show, all the contributions from guys that came in. So are you going to lose some? Would you have rather skill-wise had Kenny Robinson on this defense? Absolutely you would. How many more games do you win with Kenny Robinson versus going with Norwood and Kerry, Kerry Martin in the back? I, I don't uh, 
maybe one, maybe, and I don't even know if you can say that. So I think anymore, outside of a very small percentage of guys leaving you, in the long run, it's going to balance itself out because you're going to have guys that are coming into your program that were going to help you maybe more than the guys you lost. Exactly. Would. Exactly. That, and look, see what and, I'm saying and, there? Exactly. Every change is an opportunity to improve, as we like to say, and the portal runs both ways. I mean, look, look at the big names already you hear about entering the portal. I mean, there's guys in portal all the time. So you got to, and also for those players, you, you know, you think you got a hundred guys. And not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody's a good fit. And you get recruited and things change. Let them go. Let people go someplace else. It's their okay. one shot to play football. Empower them to go where they think they'll be happier. I have no problem with that. Totally agree. Dan Trowbridge, what happens first? Darius Stills to the NFL draft. Oscar to the NBA draft. Jordan McCabe to the transfer portal. Oscar to the NBA draft. Uh, Oscar's not a one and done, is he? No, no. You're saying Oscar, you're, but that's what no. you just. What no. you say? No, here's the deal. So here's the way I'm playing this. This is what I'm thinking. I say Darius Stills comes back, right? Okay. And then he's done, right? He's done. So, so you're gonna take the Stills to the NFL? Yeah. No. What's that? What, what happens to the Oscar? NFL wait, draft? Wait, wait, wait. Let me. Let me. Let me. Was it Darius? Yeah. Because if. Yeah, I'm going Stills to the NFL draft. Oscar comes back. I say Oscar comes back. Stills doesn't go this year. McCabe doesn't transfer. So just by the chronology of it all, Stills would be up first to leave. I see what you're, how you're answering it, and I tend to agree with you. I know that's not what the texter, the questioner, was asking. Which well, happens yeah, kind first. of he was. He, yeah. Yeah. Which happens first? Darius Stills to the NFL draft, Oscar Sheway to the NBA draft. I don't think he's asking. He's not asking for a chrono, chronological answer. He's asking, is Oscar gone after one year? That's what he's asking. Or, or is Stills gone first? That's what he's asking. That's a good question. I like it. Were you with me? I think I, uh, yes. If I, was, if I was doing this as a prop bet, I take, I'm with you. Next question. Is but Oscar's Hudge, early. <laughs> he keeps throwing up double-doubles, man. Yeah. Oscar just, Oscar's not ready. Skill-wise, he's not ready. I mean, athleticism, yes. That yes, doesn't yes, mean yes. you're not drafted. I know, I know. You, so, so, okay, stop it right now. Don't say that again. Don't say he's not ready right, because fine. there's no doubt he's not ready. There's half of the first round, three-quarters of the first round isn't ready. You're not drafted if you're ready. You're drafted on potential, so don't say that again. Sorry, Dad. I would. I tell you what. If I were the Pelicans, I would draft him. If I were, if I were John Beilon, I would draft him. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I don't think Oscar wants to run the two-guard front. What do you think, you think he does? Next up, is Hugs experimenting with Culver off the bench as a way of finding the mix of Culver, Shibway, and letting them get used to one another on the court? No. No. That was, a, that was for paperwork that was not done off the court is why he didn't start. Although he's been, a be he's, he's been a beast either way. He's been really good in his two off-the-bench appearances. Sure. <laughs> Dominant <laughs> in the Northern Colorado game, and he had one of his best games of his career yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Todd, Who cares if he comes off the Todd bench, Fraley right? asks. It only matters who's in at the end of the game. Dr. Todd asks, would love to hear a recruiting breakdown of current and probable commits. Uh, not going to do it here. Uh, this That's not list. That's not our that's not our strength, recruiting, to be quite honest. We'll with do you. that on Sportsline a bunch over the next to, two weeks. Todd, go to Sportsline, get the podcast there, Sportsline. Co Coach Hunter will have it for us. He'll break it all down. Coming yeah, two up stars. That'll be stars. heavy. Yeah. I, I promise. That'll be heavy over the next couple of weeks until and up to signing day. Yeah. Uh, despite uh, this one comes from, I don't know how to say that, uh, F-A-C-C-I. 
so I don't want to say it wrong and embarrass myself. Despite being 7-0 so far in hoops, what is this team lacking in order to take the next step as the schedule gets tougher? Mm. I'll give you two. Go. Consistent outside shooting yes. has to develop. And I would like a single, just one, just give me one star, lockdown defender. Because yeah. I think they're playing really good team defense, but you don't have that one singular rise above a Kanate shot blocker, a Javon Carter. You, oh, really? You're a really good guard? Come here. I got you. I'm going to lock you down. Maybe getting there, but you're not there yet. Those are the two wish list items I would have right now for this team. 100% agreement. Uh, we're going to get in situations here where you're going to see more fats Russells. And by that, I mean straight line drive dribblers to the rim. That is where this team um, at this point, like a lot of teams, um, struggles. It'd be great to get that kind of a guy. But like I was telling Hugs after the game the other yesterday, you know, Dotson from Kansas, what's he going to do? He's going to put his head straight down and just drive it straight to the rim. Because they do anyway. They do it you anyway. You put Carter on Kansas and they were putting their head down trying to drive to the rim. That's what exactly. they do. Yeah. So, yeah, Deuce McBride needs to become better uh, at that. And that will come. He's It'll just come. getting, getting yep. experience. But I would agree with you. Outside shooting and just a guy that you'd love to be able to put out on the perimeter and go, come here. I'm going to punch you right well, in the face. Is that right? You're having a nice game? <laughs> come on. I got you. Yeah. Um, and Emmett Matthews did that last year in the uh, to Jarrett Culver in the uh, Texas Tech game. Well, he's intriguing because of the size. Yeah, so like yeah. He, he said, bring it. Now, yeah. Culver got a bunch at the end, but yeah. it was too little, yeah. too late. I agree. Uh, Gerald writes in, do you agree that Sean Martin's the biggest commitment of the Brown era so far, and will it trigger WVU to sweep to a sweep of the unprecedented in-state 2021 class? Yeah, I think it'll be huge. I think I think it'll be massive what that does. He he and Frazier are right up there. I mean, don't forget about Zach Frazier just because he committed in the summer. I mean, that's a guy that Stanford was on, three-time state champion wrestler going into his opportunity to win his fourth. I mean, getting both. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of view those two guys together. You you locked up Frazier and Martin this year, one on the offensive line, one on the defensive line. Massive gets both of them. Yes, agree. Uh, the question was asked last night on Sportsline. If you could replay, ready for hop? If you question. could replay one game, if you could replay one game in football this year, what would it be? One do-over from the season. One Te do-over. That's a really good question. Do you say Texas, Texas? Te Texas? University Texas. of? Wait a minute. Did, wait, what was the question? No, you're, yeah, you're yeah, right. It's you're, okay. Yeah. Well, the one game. You, you guys just look at me like, what do you mean? No, no Texas, Texas well, on the schedule. I can't no, believe Texas you or, Texas. No, Texas or Texas Tech is what I was asking. Texas, Texas or te Texas. Straight Texas. Texas. Yeah, I would have taken Texas. Te I, I took Texas Tech because as close as Texas was, that Texas Tech game would just still stuns me the way that thing started. It, it does. Give me I, a replay of Texas I, Tech. I, I took Texas because it's just because it's Texas. Okay. And you didn't have a chance to win that. You'd rather play them at the end of the season with the defense playing like it is now. Fair enough. Here's an ethical question. <laughs> I mean to scare you there <laughs> with our reaction. What do you mean, Texas? Here's an ethical question. Play James Madison again. Play him twice. Get another win. You ready for an ethical question, Hoppy? <laughs> okay, sure. Listen. If the only way to win a national championship in basketball or football was to cheat, but you didn't know you cheated for 10 years, would you take that deal? That seems to be what happens. A program cheats, gets to enjoy it for a few years, and then it gets taken away. Yes, it is dark, but interesting. Wait a minute. Who knew, who knew you cheated? 
You, you know, there was, well, he's there, saying somewhere down the line it comes out, and you have to vacate the Final Four of the championship. Mountaineer, but Mountaineer Nation, the average fan does not know that you cheated. Correct, correct. But some, whoever cheated, the coach or coaches knows. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, because they're and, knowingly and, cheating. And it's but it, it's vacated later. But as a yeah. fan, you go like a fan. You don't know. You're along for the national championship. Hey, we won the national championship. Absolutely not. Ten years later, you absolutely find not out what. Absolutely not. Go whatever the no. You don't you don't take that. You don't take that deal. You don't take that deal. You don't take that deal. No, no, no. You don't take that deal. No. So you let the other schools line up with their big bags of money and just deliver it. And you take you let other schools line up with the illegal players. And you let other schools just go out there and make strong ass offers. I'm oh, directly I'm, quoting I'm, from the I'm, FBI I'm, I'm, transcripts right there. You just let other teams do that, and you go out here and you. I tell you what, boys, we're going to nickel and dime this, and we're going to try and teach our young men the best way to do. It, and we're going to try and win. You're going to try and win ethically in a business that is showing us that most people aren't aren't winning ethically. I'm going to try to win. I'm going to try to win. I'm going to try to do the best I can. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You know, every look. Everybody pushes the boundary. Some and obviously some more than others. But I'm not going to sell my soul for it. That's the old. That's the that the damn Yankees. That goes back to that, right? It's a man, right there with integrity, Senator. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. As someone who signed the compliance sheet in Joyce Buckley's office for twenty some, almost twenty years, did not knowingly cheat. Do not know of any cheating. Could not pick guys up because it was snowing out on Christmas break. Couldn't pick a guy up because that may be against the rule. As someone who did not have one violation to my record as an athletic administrator, it's really. It, it's really hard to sit here and watch these other schools knowingly cheat on tape from FBI subpoenas, knowing that they are flat out cheating and keeping their job and you're going for the same thing. It is hard to stomach that. I understand. I'll leave it at that. It is really hard to stomach that. Okay. So it's others are blatantly cheating. They are closer than you would think. But I don't. Th- I understand, and that's a valid point. That is that is not justification to sacrifice your own morals. Ooh, yeah. See, he does that show during the uh, day, ten to noon. That's what they talk about there. So you know what? That's <laughs> he's about, in his valley like right now. That, that's yeah. about. I can get away with it. Therefore, I'll do. It. You know. You know what character is? Character is what you do when people aren't watching. That's the. Old, I mean, this scenario is the old North Carolina State scenario. Well, here's the thing. Uh, listen, you're in, in fa- you're in favor of paying student athletes. This is just speeding up the process. <laughs> you want them to get paid. I'm just saying the donor can deliver the bag of money instead of you having to wait till the machine decides but, 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 that you can get paid get, for your you're jersey. Get, but you're I'm just get saying Joe cheating. from Charleston can walk over there and just say, "I tell you what, I think you should get paid." These but, NCAA but, rules but, are ridiculous. Here's a bag of money. Okay, but you're going to get caught cheating, and ten years later you have to vacate it, and it's humi- humiliating. By the time 10 years they later. catch you doing it, it'll be it'll be allowed to do it that's, uh, that's what those guys lsu's lsu's on on tape right didn't isn't he on tape what's his name he's on tape, Will on tape Wade. making strong ass offers right yeah. by the time they figure it out it'll you're be legal. saying that to be provocative you wouldn't do it i say this you if, wouldn't do it if you put this question out in the next metro news survey that we do statewide stuff the majority of west virginia respondents would say no no i think mountaineer fans are incredibly passionate but at the same time, they don't want to cheat to win it. And I completely understand what he's saying because that's oftentimes who's winning these things. Sure. I get it. You're sitting at it. your table looking down at another bench I know. more times than once during the season and saying, is that, well, is that right? Wait, we, or how'd you get that guy? Where'd that guy come from? They what, know what how doing, they got him. What are you doing down there? They know how they what got him. What are you doing him. down there? Yep. I get you. Boy, so that's what you want to do. 
Hey, uh, Ryan, I have a track for... record of not doing it. If I wanted no, to do it, I would have done that, it when no, I was in there. Said, that's what you when I do. was in there, I would have done it, Kurt. Well, I didn't do it, so don't but try and put words in my mouth. No, I'm you, just you saying. You want to do it now. I'm just saying to you, it's getting increasingly difficult, and I understand the frustration of those trying to win a national championship when it's not even remotely. The NCAA talks about a level playing field. You've gone so far past a level playing field, it's outrageous. I understand. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying that is not a justification to cheat. Moving on. Over under. It was very good by you, by the way. I, I, I agree completely with both of you. Over <laughs> under the chances of Darius Henry's name in the draft. Line set at 60. 60% chance yes. 60% chance no. Senator, yes or no? No, I think he's back. Okay, next one. As year zero of Neil Brown comes to an end, in your opinion, the, what's the biggest takeaway from the season? What final grade do you give Coach Brown? Biggest takeaway from the season, Hoppy. Biggest takeaway from the season, trust the climb. They got better. They played hard the entire year. Uh, he gets a B plus. You thought you were pointed in the right direction with his hire, right? From minute one, you thought, okay, you're going in the right direction. Nothing has changed my opinion of that as the, as the season has played its way out. So that's my takeaway. I might go A. I'm going, uh, I'm going A minus. I only give them the minus because for whatever reason, they weren't ready for Texas Tech. That's the only Missouri. reason. Uh, I, well, Missouri was just, they weren't ready you to play. You were overmatched. You weren't yeah, ready there. You weren't ready to play that game yet because so much was going on. But uh, no, I just absolutely love uh, where these guys are right now. Love it. I gave me a minus. You're around it. Okay. Hey, you mad at me? Real... No, I'm not mad at you, but I want to make it clear. I didn't say I would cheat. So I don't want to be branded with what you just tried well, to brand you, me with. I was just making the argument for it because if there's a million schools out there doing it. I'm tired of it. But I didn't necessarily say I would do that. So I don't want you to try and put words in my mouth like you do so often. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> We're down to the last two. Uh, Dan McBride. Will Deuce McBride be starting games come conference play or is he better suited to be a spark plug off of the bench? Bob Huggins usually likes to find a lineup and stick with it. I think he also, right. That's been his that's yes, been his and pattern. He, and he also likes what's, what's spark plugs. He liked Gary Brown, right, coming off the Tariq, bench. Tariq, six man of the year. Loved Tariq coming yeah. off the bench. Uh, I think the answer is he'd love to have Deuce coming off the bench that, and giving him a little pop. That's a nice two guard platoon, two one guard platoon right now. You, you you've seen Jordan McCabe come in at the end of a couple games here and knock down some critical free throws in both of those to get you to the win. Does Huggs like to substitute Tito? Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah he does he sometimes it just looks like a train station there's guys running in and out get yeah. on the subway get off the subway they had, they had a, yesterday they had a couple of guys that got sent to the platform and then taken off the platform <laughs> yeah I love well, it there was a little offense defense late too there was well, some yeah. there was some gamesmanship there too which I like you're right which is strategy but there's also the time when a guy will go out and he'll take a horrific shot and they get get him on get him on yeah. And then he comes down, he makes a great steal, rips down the floor, scores. Come on back here. That's <laughs> where you need those a, a long break before stopping so you can play your way back into staying. Yeah, right? If there's a quick out of bounds off your bad shot, you're, done. you're screwed because you're coming right out. <laughs> exactly. You need play on so you can make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no TV timeout. Oh, no, no, keep going. Long time listener, first time asking a question. Well, Appreciate thank you. That. Very, very much. Sags played in 81 games during his Mountaineer career. Does Oscar Shibway play 81 games as a Mountaineer? Boy, I hope so. Boy, I hope so. That would, that would be nice, but that's going to be more than two years. 
it's right at that number. So if you have a postseason run, you get into about 38-ish, 39-ish. And if you go a couple more, it's right at that number. That's a wonderful number. If you get if you get two full seasons with two nice little NCAA pops with Oscar Shibway, your first McDonald's All American, how long? I think that'd be great. You get two you get two full runs with him, that'd be great. Yeah. I agree. Maybe you end up with three, but I, I, that'd be that'd be great if you could get two. I do say this, folks. If you haven't seen him yet, um, and this team really, I mean, this team deserves uh, to be eyeballed up from where they were a year ago, right? It was <laughs> come out there and see these guys. They got a couple of quick games coming up here uh, this week. They St. John's Saturday, and then they go. It's a really weird deal. The following week, they play home Thursday, Saturday, which is really weird. You don't see you many know, Thursday. Got starts. Austin P and Nichols. The return of. Uh, uh, what was the Angelo Hunter. Angelo Hunter comes back I guess, for Nichols. Uh, so you got an opportunity there. This is this. So we've said this before. This it's impressive that they're winning. They're off the seven zero start. That's going to create some buzz. That's fun. You mentioned this earlier. I, I feel like this is a really likable team. It's filled with a bunch of guys that are really likable. Like some teams, yeah. they win and, and you hang on and you go for the ride because they're winning. But you kind of got to go. Well, I, don't, I don't know. This this is a bunch of different guys. Go right down this roster. There's a bunch of guys on there that are easy to like. Yeah, in and, my and they got and they got multiple guys that can score and rebound. So like you like you've been saying, every night it can be a different guy that stars. Yeah. yeah. To underscore that point, Hugs said uh, yesterday after the game that one of the officials came over to him either right after the game, probably right during the game when the thing was like last few foul shots or whatever it was, and he said, uh, you got really good kids, don't you? And Hugs said, yeah. He goes, why? He goes, you can just tell. You can just tell that they like each other and they get along. And, and officials, I mean, they have intimate knowledge, right? They hear everything. They see everything. So that was just an independent person. He uh, he was able That's to good. spot it. Uh, we've talked a lot of numbers. We've talked about uh, do you cheat or not cheat. I still don't know exactly where that went. But I want to tell you something. Whether you're a cheater or whether you're not a cheater, you can be an organ donor. And if you can do that, you know, it can save lives, 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 lives. And it's happening right here in Morgantown now with WVU Medicine doing heart transplants and uh, kidney transplants are on deck. And all you have to do is visit the website at DonateLifeWV.org and designate as an organ donor today. One donation can save eight lives. One donation can help 75 other people. I told you about the gentleman that I met at a recent Mountaineer basketball game who was a cornea transplant recipient, and he can see today because specifically of that. So check it out. DonateLifeWV.org. I had somebody yesterday at the basketball game over at the Coliseum came up to me and said, hey, love the podcast, love listening to it, and thanks for having Donate Life WV is part of that. This person was an organ donor as well, but appreciates awesome. the the cause and says encourages people. Awesome. All right, man. That was a, oh, that was a long how long show. was that? That was, was hour we're running hour right ten? now. One hour ten. One this hour ten. Close. And counting. Jeez. But there's more. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview West Virginia and St. John's this weekend. Plus, by then, we might have a few. You think we'll get a little more you know, commitment here, maybe? Then maybe. Might get a couple. What's might today? Monday? 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 Maybe get a little something. Neil Brown and the gang are out there trying to procure athletes legally. That's, that's how we roll, Mountaineer Nation. Thank you all very, very much for the questions. They were fantastic. Some of those uh, make you really scratch your head and, and really go to your deep soul 
as far as ethics. I mean, do you or, or don't you? We're back on Thursday. Special thanks to our producer engineer on the video side. That is Taylor Kennedy. Uh, we absolutely made him miss his class, which uh, he's got enough going on. Do you have there. class or they're not in break? I thought they're in break. Aren't they in break for like four months? or No, no, no. Oh, they're, they're back in school? to be in school. Yeah, semester's end. This is like uh, this is all for two weeks. I don't even know what day it is. Is it Thanksgiving week this week? Yeah, no. You're just an old man. All right, we're out. Thanks for being with us. Episode 161, Three Guys Before the Game. See y'all.